Praise the Lord. Thank you, choir, for that good number. Open your Bibles this morning to the Gospel of Luke and find the 10th chapter, Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10. Perhaps some of you have already read the May 2009 edition of Home Life magazine. I know some of you haven't because I saw you picked up your copy today. But if you did, you know that you came across an article on page 42 entitled, Help, Miss Perfect Lives Next Door. And uh, Danielle pointed out this article to me earlier this week. And it was very interesting to me because I'd already planned on preaching on this particular passage today. And that article talked about that passage. And uh, the article began with Miss Perfect's to-do list. And I want to share that with you today. Uh, here's Miss Perfect's to-do list. Raise brilliant children who will attend Yale or Harvard. Dress self and family for success. Bring home the bacon. Run the PTA. Decorate the house for every holiday, including Flag Day. Finish Christmas shopping by August the 1st. And then run five miles and do 400 crunches every day before dawn. Now, it didn't stop there. It added on to that her spiritual to-do list. And here's her spiritual to-do list. Pray without ceasing. Get to church early with the family looking gorgeous. Teach Sunday school. Coordinate the preschool committee. Sing in the choir. Give generously. Serve devotedly. Worship soulfully. It it also said she's Mother Teresa, Martha Stewart, and that Proverbs 31 woman all rolled into one fabulous package. It says even if she doesn't actually live next door, Miss Perfect is alive in your imagination. You look at her and see perfection. You look in the mirror and see you in perfect you. Somebody help me is your silent cry. As I read that article, I was reminded that today, ladies, women are under tremendous pressure. Of course, we live in a world where men and women both are under a, tr- a tremendous load of pressure. But today is Mother's Day, and I want to focus primarily on that pressure that is upon ladies today. The pressure, the expectations that come from within and from without. Some of them are imposed by society. Some of, their, some of them are self-imposed. And as I was thinking about that, and it mentioned Martha Stewart, I had to chuckle I went back and read the introduction to Martha Stewart's book, Good Things for Organizing. Of course, I do confess I do own the book, but that's a different story. She writes on page eight these words. Perhaps the question I most ask is, how do you do it all? The answer is quite simple. I'm organized, not fanatically organized like some of my friends. I just stopped for a moment and thought. Martha Stewart has friends who are more fanatical than she is. That's a scary thought, but still it continues. Uh, not, Not like some of my friends whose shelves of books are neater than those in the Library of Congress, nor like those others whose clothes are categorized by color, season, size, and length. But organized enough so that I don't feel disorganized or sloppy or frantic. And when pressed, I know I can put my hands on that photo or memo or book or birth certificate that someone needs that day. She says, my life is extremely busy. I have more than one home and really more than one job. I often feel as if I live in my car traveling from my television studio in Connecticut to one of my two offices in New York City. 
I travel a lot, both in the United States and overseas. And she goes down and starts describing some of her techniques for staying organized. She continues, my house is always being reorganized. And I am constantly devising new ways to order my stuff, my collectibles and cameras and games and pet toys and even pantry supplies so I can find everything I want or need. Storage of all kinds of abounds in my house from fine linen covered boxes labeled with P-touch identification cards. I don't know what they even are from small item for small items like eyeglasses and engraved stationery to larger rigid plastic tubs for attic and basement storage. So where are you going with this preacher? Well, I want to read you the last paragraph. And of course, a great deal of credit must go to my housekeepers, plural, and my talented assistants, plural, Julie Iceman and Annie Armstrong, who are empowered to help with this organizing. Even if I can't find my glue, my special calligrapher's pen, or my colored post-its, I am certain they can. And sad to say, this is the lady that many people strive to be. Now, listen, ladies, if you had housekeepers and personal assistants and tons and tons and tons of money, you could live that way, too. But when you find when you lose your glue or your calligrapher's pen or your pocketbook or your purse or whatever, you're left to yourself. Now, listen, I want to talk to you today. To you wives and mothers who are juggling a ton of stuff, loads of responsibility. And sadly, I find in our world we're living that some are also carrying around tremendous amounts of guilt because they are not Miss Perfect. And today I want to encourage you, ladies and men as well, as we think about this message, to get rid of those unreal expectations, aspirations And so many frustrations and start to live the way the Lord desires you to live, to start focusing upon what is really important in life and forget about trying to live up to some standard that either society poses or you impose upon yourself of perfection. With that in mind, look at your Bibles. We're going to look at a story today about another Martha and her sister named Mary. It begins in the 38th verse of chapter 10 of the Gospel of Luke. The Bible says there now it came to pass as they went that he entered, that is, Jesus entered into a certain village and a certain woman named Martha received him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, which also sat at Jesus's feet and heard his word. But Martha was cumbered about much serving and came to him and said, Lord, dost thou not care that my sister hath left me to serve alone? Bid her, therefore, that she help me. And Jesus answered and said unto her, Martha, Martha, thou art careful and troubled about many things, but one thing is needful. And Mary hath chosen that good part, which shall not be taken away from her. Now, this story is really quite simple. It's quite easy for us to understand just on the surface. Martha and Mary, two sisters, hosted the Lord Jesus in their home as a guest. And it appears that Mary was helping at the beginning, because you'll notice it says in verse 39 that she had a sister called Mary, which also sat at Jesus's feet. 
She served most likely for a while. Then she began to sit down and listen to the Lord Jesus. But Martha, wanting to be the best hostess that she could be, just kept on serving and serving and serving and serving to the point where she becomes very frustrated, as you see. I thought of something else I read this past week. One lady wrote, have you ever attempted to have friends over what you initially intended to be a simple afternoon of food, fellowship and fun? But somehow it turned into a complicated nightmare. She says, I remember those days vividly. I'd be at church on Sunday and without much forethought, invite three couples over the following Sunday for a barbecue. My initial thought was hot dogs and hamburgers on the grill, baked beans, potato chips and iced tea. My motive was fellowship and fun. By the time the guests arrived, I didn't even want them there. (laughs) Fun was not going to happen, at least not for me. Why? I turned my simple get together into a nightmare of preparation, expensive food and 14 people instead of six. My complicated approach to life and my complicated thought process convinced me hot dogs and hamburgers weren't nice enough. So I bought steaks we could not afford. My potato chips turned into a huge bowl of homemade potato salad. The simple baked beans became four side dishes I labored over. Insecure and wanting to impress everyone, I had to spend the week cleaning and getting everything in the house to the point where I thought it would be impressive. Of course, the lawn chairs were old, so I bought new ones. I got angry at Dave because I thought he wasn't helping me enough. And by the time our friends arrived, I resented them, wished they hadn't come and had a miserable day pretending to be the happy hostess. When in reality, I was frustrated and miserable. You're laughing because that sounds familiar. Martha's like that here in Luke 10. She invites the Lord Jesus in and, and they're enjoying having him. She wants to be a wonderful hostess. I'm sure that she was, but she continues going on and on and on. She gets distracted. She gets frustrated by her service. And she actually gets to the point where she scolds Mary And the Lord Jesus. Did you read that? Look at verse 40 again. And Martha was cumbered about much serving and came to him. The Lord Jesus said, Lord, don't you care that my sister have left me to do all the work to serve alone? She probably already cast many hateful eyes and glances toward Mary at this point. She verbalizes it. And then she says to the Lord Jesus, these words, tell her to help me. She says that to the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I want you to know his response today. And I want you to know, I believe the Lord said this in a very loving and kind way. He says in verse 41, Martha, Martha. Thou art careful and troubled about many things. But one thing is needful. And Mary had chosen that good part which shall not be taken from her. We see what happens, but what does it mean? Well, first of all, what we need to do is talk about what it does not mean. There have been those who have taken this passage and misused it to teach things that the Lord never meant. So let me give you several things that are not taught here. First of all, this is not teaching that a contemplative life is better than an active life. In other words, it's not saying just think and just sit and just contemplate and just meditate. Never do any activity. Never do any service. That's not what's being taught here. 
Likewise, realize today, this is not a bash Martha session. This is not made to make Martha out as a rotten, mean, angry lady. She loved the Lord Jesus. She loved her sister. She loved to serve. But the Lord did correct her. Don't be too hard on Martha here. Likewise, this is not teaching that you should not cook and clean. Sorry. It's not teaching that. This is not teaching that you should not be a good host or hostess or a hospitable person. This is not teaching that you should not serve the Lord. We know that's not the case. Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. That is not teaching that you should not serve the Lord. So here's the question. What then does it teach? Look again at what the Lord says in verse 41 and 42. Martha, Martha, thou art careful and troubled. You're frustrated. You're distracted. About many things. But one thing is needful. So the overriding question this morning is, what is that one thing? What is that one thing? As I understand it, some of the older Bible scholars believed that the one thing mentioned here was one dish. In other words, the Lord was saying, we don't need all this food and all these side dishes We just need one dish. Now, I mean, no disrespect to these men and scholars who are far wiser than I ever hoped to be. But that just doesn't make sense. It does not fit this passage. You know why? If that be the case, here's what he's saying. One dish is needful and Mary have chosen that one dish and it shall not be taken from her. That doesn't make sense in this text at all. Now, that may be true. A simple meal would have been been sufficient. But the one thing is what Mary chose. Look again at verse 42. One thing is needful and Mary hath chosen that good part which shall not be taken away from her. So what is that one thing? It's what Mary chose. It's what Mary did. What did Mary do? Go back to verse 39. And she had a sister called Mary, which also what? Sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. The one thing he's talking about there is her sitting and listening to the words of the Lord Jesus Christ. While Mary was sitting, Martha was serving. We see them kind of contrasted here in our Lord's word. Martha, you're doing all this. Mary chose a different course. Mary sat and soaked. She soaked in the words of the Lord Jesus Christ while Martha served and soured. And Jesus says, Mary chose the good part. She received that which shall not be taken away from her. So exactly what is he getting at here? What does he mean? I think if we had to boil it down to one sentence today, he's teaching and showing that the spiritual is more important than the physical. He said, wait a minute, preacher. Wasn't Martha's service spiritual? She was serving the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, she may have started out that meal in a spiritual fashion, serving the Lord Jesus Christ. But it ended out in a stressed out, frustrated, tension filled way. And she went from serving the Lord Jesus to scolding the Lord Jesus Christ. So whether her motives were correct or not, I believe probably they were. But they went askew. 
What's he saying here? The spiritual food being offered by the Lord Jesus Christ that day. The word of God was more important than the food on their plate. Jesus said elsewhere in Matthew chapter four, where he's being tempted of the devil, beginning at verse one. Then was Jesus led up of the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he was afterward and hungered. Think about that. 40 days of fasting. You'd be hungry, too. Makes sense. He understood hunger. Verse three. And when the tempter came to him, he said, if thou be the son of God, command that these stones be made bread. You remember what the Lord said to him? He answered in verse four, these words, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. There's a delicate balance here in the story of Mary and Martha. There's a time for service. Absolutely. Sure, there is. But there's also a time to sit at Jesus's feet and hear his word. Physical food is essential. It's important. It is necessary. You can't wait to get out of here and have some in just a few minutes. It's necessary. But listen, spiritual food is more necessary, more essential and more important. And the tyranny of the urgent calls Martha to make the wrong choice at this moment. She was busy serving so much so that she failed to sit at Jesus's feet. She was busy serving that she failed to worship, if you will. By the way, lest we get mistaken here, even our physical food should glorify God. First Corinthians ten thirty one. Whether therefore ye eat or drink or whatsoever ye do, do all to the glory of God. When things get busy in your life, beloved, let's be honest for a moment. Don't speak aloud, but think in your own heart and mind. When things get hectic. You get frustrated, you get stressed out, you get wrung out. What's one of the first things to go? Yeah, often our time with the Lord, our devotional time, our quiet times, our times of reading the word of God and praying. We're busy serving. Hey, man, we're serving. We might be serving on a hundred committees. We're at church all the time, but we let our fellowship with the Lord falter. We're not spending that time in God's word, in prayer. And you know what happens? We begin to labor under our own strength rather than his strength. And let me tell you from personal experience, that is a miserable place to be. Going forth in our own strength. Now, I want to give you some practical things to take with you today. And we're done. So we think about this today. Ladies and men, both. Number one, we must keep our priorities straight. We must keep our priorities straight. It's not enough just to serve the Lord. We must know him. We must be growing in our relationship with him. Let me ask you, friend, are you more like the Lord Jesus today than you were a year ago? Think about that. Are you more like him? Do you know him? Closer, more closely, must keep our priorities straight. Secondly, we must make sure that we do not let the tyranny of the urgent crowd out the time of sitting at Jesus's feet. And it will do its best to do that. And it's so easy to say, you know, I'm going to read my Bible tomorrow man. I'm going to pray tomorrow. I'm going to set this aside and I'll do it later. And of course, what happens later never comes. 
and another day passes. We must learn to say no to the good so that we can say yes to the best. I want to tell you something today and I want everybody to hear this. God does not intend for us to honor every request that comes our way for our time, our treasure and our talent. He does not expect us to honor every request. Why? We are limited. We only have so much time. We only have so much life. And the requests that are put upon us in 2009 are phenomenal. We cannot do it all. We cannot be it all. We have to be led by the spirit of God. And dare I say it, to put it bluntly, we must learn at times to say a little word with two letters. No. Say it graciously. Say it kindly. But say it firmly. A good thing to do at times is just to say, let me pray about that and do that. Don't just say, well, it's going to buy me some time. They'll forget about it. No, pray about it. Pray about it before accepting. Listen, something else important here I think we see in this passage. We must learn not to overly project our passions on other people. And then think badly of them when they don't join us. You say, what do you mean, preacher? Well, look at this again. Martha's thought that day was Mary was wrong. Why is Mary wrong? Because she's not in the kitchen with me. If she was right with God, if she was spiritual, if she was doing what she ought to have been doing, she'd be in the kitchen with me. But she's out here sitting at Jesus' feet. She's wrong. She's out of the will of God. She says, Jesus, tell her to help me. You command her to help me. And surprise, surprise to Martha, he does not honor her request. He says, Mary's doing exactly what I want her to do. Don't we do that at times? Let's be honest. We have a passion or a calling for certain ministry or a certain cause. And it may be a God-given calling in, there, in your life. And if we're not careful, we begin to think this way. Everybody ought to be involved in my passion and my ministry. Let me give you an example. And I thought real carefully how to do this so I don't get in trouble. Let's say we're going to have a hat drive for the poor. Anybody here planning a hat drive for the poor? All right, that's a safe one. We're going to have a hat drive for the poor. Boy, we get excited. We feel like we're called. Now, this is kind of a ridiculous one, but a hat drive for the poor. Maybe it's winter. It's winter hat. And we get a passion about that. And we announce it at church. We run, we run in search of the bulletin. Man, we just get excited. We go from Sunday school class to Sunday school class talking about this particular ministry. We start cornering people. They can't get away from you. you just, you got a passion. you got to come and give some hats. you got to help me with this. And then what happens is you get turned down by somebody. Then maybe you get turned down by somebody else. And then they have the gall to not even bring the hat on bring a hat for the poor Sunday. And put it in the box. And we begin to think, these people are not right with God. They need to repent. In fact, this church is sorry. These people are sorry. Maybe I need to leave. At least I need to pray for them. You know what Martha did? She prayed to the Lord, didn't she? She talked to the Lord. Tell her to get up and help me. But we never consider this very important thing. 
And that is this. Perhaps our calling is not their calling. And what the Lord is giving us to do is not what the Lord has given them to do. Maybe we didn't realize that very same week they participated in the food drive for the poor. Maybe they've done many other wonderful ministries that week. Ultimately for the Lord and His glory. But because they did not do what we wanted them to do, they are wrong. When in reality... We may have to stop and say, wait a minute, maybe I am wrong. Because Martha realized that day that actually Mary had made the right choice. Martha learned a lesson. She says to the Lord, Mary should be serving. She should be cooking. She should be helping me. And the Lord said, no, Martha, not right now. Mary is doing exactly What I want her to do at this moment. And Jesus was pleased with Mary. Listen, I want you to understand something. God has gifted us all in different ways. He's given us different spiritual gifts. He's given us different callings. And he's put us together in this church as a body of Christ. And given us the beings and the wherewithal to do the work he's given us to do. But let us be careful not to triumph and trumpet our own passion and calling above everybody else's. But let us pray and say, Lord, what would thou have me to do? And maybe he will have you bring a hat for the poor or several hats or even get involved. But how are we looking at others? Real quickly and we're done. Sometimes, sometimes we make things too complicated a simple meal would have sufficed at this, at, this, at this time. A simple meal and then sit at Jesus' feet. Moms, listen. Ladies, sometimes you go above and beyond for your family and you do it out of love. And I know you do it out of love. But don't ever forget. Don't stress your out, yourself out trying to please them when you already please them. They already love you. You're already the greatest mom. You're already the greatest wife. They love you already. I was reminded of this when I read a story about a little boy who invaded the lingerie section of a big department store. Strange place for him. And he shyly went up to the sales clerk and presented his problem. He said, I want to buy a present for my mom. I want to buy a slip. But I don't know what size she wears. This sales clerk says, well, is she tall or short? Is she fat or skinny? You you ladies, I hope they don't ask my kids that. (laughs) Little boy thought and then beamed this answer. She's just perfect. And the sales clerk wrapped up and sold him a size 34. That was her estimate. But you know what happened two days later, beloved? Two days later, mom came to the store herself and exchanged that size 34 for a size 52. Don't miss the story in your laughter. To the little boy, she was perfect. She was perfect. She was perfect.
to the world, who cares? She was perfect. Would you bow your head and close your eyes? Very quickly today, we've covered a lot of ground in a short amount of time. First and foremost, beloved, are you saved? Are you a mom or a dad or a young person or an individual here today? And you say, you know what, preacher? I know that I know that I know. I know beyond the shadow of a doubt that my sin is forgiven. Heaven is my home. Christ is my Savior because at some point in my life, I have repented of my sin and placed my faith in Jesus Christ. And if not, this is for men and ladies today. Today's the day you need to trust the Lord Jesus. Today's the day you need to come and say, I don't want my sin anymore. I want the Savior. And take him by faith. That's number one today. And then for those who would say, you know what? That's settled. I know that's settled. I don't have any doubt about that. Well, I wonder, what has the Holy Spirit put his finger on in your life today? How is your quiet time? Are you so busy serving that you no longer have time to sit at Jesus' feet? Are you so busy judging other people's activities and ministries that you don't even realize that perhaps some adjustments may be needed in your own life? Perhaps today you'd say, you know what, I'm a pleaser. And I've said yes to so much stuff and so many demands that I'm overburdened, I'm overcommitted, and I'm overwhelmed. So much so I'm like Martha. I'm scolding those that I should be serving. I wonder, would the Lord have you make some corrections in that? Would you allow him to lead you in this invitation? Would you be submissive to him? In just a moment when we sing, and we're going to give you an opportunity to come to kneel and pray. If you need to trust Jesus Christ, your Savior, you come and let me know that. We'd love to put you with someone who would love to talk to you about that. And then maybe another need today. Maybe you're a believer. You just need to come and give some thanks to the Lord. Maybe some thanks need to go even this week. Would you come and talk to the Lord about that and be submissive? Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for the story and your word of Jesus' visit to Mary and Martha. We thank you that he loved both those ladies and both those ladies loved him. And Lord, he did not in a Unkind way, scold or fuss at Martha. He corrected her. I'm sure of it. Gently. Kindly. Father, help us. The demands and pressures are many. But we realize today one thing is needful. I pray if someone's lost today, that they come to know Christ, they'd leave here with new life. I pray for those who know you. May you lead them this invitation time. May they be submissive. In Jesus' name, amen.